We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call them now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website at Andy and Don, all one word. That's andyanddon.com, andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there through the listener inquiry button. As well, you can also go back and listen to old shows that have been uh, archived there. Sort of a best of Andy and Don. Uh, <laughs> waiting for you at uh, andyanddon.com. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good to see morning, you. Scott. Good morning, Scott. Uh, you guys ready yet for the big day? Have you got everything done? Christmas shopping is done. Really? The thing last minute. Wow. I'm all More set. days than I Thank hear God that. for gift cards. You haven't even started yet. How <laughs> not am I going not for Christmas not. Eve? Attaboy. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the spirit. There's no <laughs> challenge in that. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Uh, going to talk about annuities, starting off with what annuities. What a perfect gift. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if you, if no, you're struggling at this says time I, of year. Nothing says I love you like a good annuity. Absolutely. <laughs> See, I think everybody underestimates the annuity. That's right, yeah. You know, the yeah. poor annuity is really ha- fallen on hard times over the last few years. And uh, so I'm going to do my best to, to put it back into a good light. But mm. I did look up the annuity, the... Um, uh, the definition of annuity, it's a noun, and it says a specified income payable at stated intervals for a fixed or a contingent period, often for the recipient's life, in consideration of a stipulated premium paid either in prior installments or as a single payment. Mm, right? I'm in. Okay, I'm in. Uh, and an annuity, we were talking last week about the six real the main six risks of retirement today. And one of them, which we talked about was, you know, the ability to spend money and be okay with spending money. And that was a lot to do with understanding diversification in your assets. Yeah. And we talked about the new diversification, which is diversification in the types of income that you get. Mm-hmm. So typically those individuals that are retired, they're going to, they might be opting for a Canada pension plan, whether they're taking it early or taking it at 65. So that's sort of one piece of income. The second one would be old age security at age 65, in which uh, a regular income payment every month indexed to inflation along the way as well. But Old age security is subject to clawback if you have a higher level of income. Uh, the third would be a pension. So a pension income, if it was a defined benefit pension plan, then that provides you with a regular recurring income, just like an annuity. Yeah. And it's going to pay you for life. And so today, though, the defined benefit pension plans are further and fewer between yeah. in terms of having access to that. So for many people retiring today, the only guaranteed lifetime income they have is Canada Pension Plan and Old Age Security. Yeah. And really those programs weren't designed to replace that much of your income, depending on how much you make, but it would be somewhere around 25% to 30% of your income. So you'd have to take a dramatic lifestyle reduction if you were just living off those sources. So for many other people, you have other savings. So you have savings in an RRSP and that's going to get converted to a RIF or it could be used to buy an annuity. Now this time of year, if you're turning, if you turn 71 this year, you have until December 31st to make a decision about what to do with your RRSPs because next year you have to start taking some income out of them. Mm -hmm. So you can convert them to a RIF, which is what the majority of people do, but you could also take a portion of it and buy an annuity. Okay. And an annuity is basically, as the definition says, you're giving a, a pro, you're giving a single payment 
in general to an insurance company. Mm -hmm. And in return, they're going to give you a specified income payment for a a monthly, typically, uh, for the remainder of your life. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there are basically two types of annuities. There's a life annuity, which is, again, guaranteed payments for life. And there's also a joint life annuity, which is guaranteed payments for two lifetimes. Okay. So for a husband and wife. Mm -hmm. And finally, the other type would be um, a term certain annuity, which would be guaranteed payments for a certain period of time. So they would end after 10 years. They would end after 20 years. You would pick the term certain. And then once it's finished, it's done. It's gone. So annuities can be purchased with money from your RSPs. They can be purchased with money from a registered pension plan as part of a RIF, a lifetime income fund, a LIFT, a deferred profit sharing plan locked-in funds, et cetera. And those are also all the registered funds. And then the non-registered funds, you would typically just simply use your savings or your investments to purchase a non-registered annuity. And there's an interesting, um, one interesting change that's coming with those non-registered annuities. And a typical scenario might be you're an individual who you, you have a low risk portion of your portfolio, and maybe you've got that sitting in GICs, Guaranteed Investment Certificates, or it's sitting in an, a savings account, and you're thinking, boy, I really don't want to take a lot of risk with this money, but I do want to, it to work hard for me yeah. and generate an income. What could I, how can I invest this and get a decent return and an income stream from it? And this is where an annuity might be a solution because, and I'm going to run through some numbers in terms of what you would actually make on an after-tax basis from an annuity. But when you use your non-RSP money, your non-registered money, your savings, your GICs to buy an annuity, you can elect what's called a prescribed annuity. And a prescribed annuity simply takes the interest that you would earn on your investment and spreads it out over the normal lifespan for an individual based on the age you started. Mm -hmm. So if you're a 65 year old and you're starting an annuity, they might say, well, on average, you're going to live till 85, let's say 20 years. So we're going to spread your interest out over 20 years. Mm -hmm. Right? So what that means is that for the monthly payment that you're going to receive from an annuity, let's say you're getting a thousand a month, only maybe $50 of that or, or a hundred dollars of that thousand is actually taxable income that you'd pay tax on. So it has a very low rate of tax uh, attracted to it. So you're keeping a lot more of your money. And you might say, well, that makes sense because technically you're giving me my money back every month. You know, I've handed over money to an insurance company and I'm getting money back every month. So let's talk about, let's pull that apart a little bit and think about how annuity works. Well, the first one is, so your original capital. So if I given $100,000 to an insurance company and they start paying me a thousand a month. Well, obviously part of that is just my own money coming back to me. Right. So that's a no brainer. And then the second part will be, well, even if they just threw it into a a bond or a GIC and made 3% on it, well, there's interest that they could earn. So there's interest on that lump sum that I gave them. And so that kind of makes up the big, the, a big portion of your payment, but there's another portion, which we kind of call the secret sauce. And the secret sauce is what we call mortality credits. And the reality is, is that some people are going to live longer Mm -hmm. and some people are going to die sooner. And as soon as you die, your annuity payments end. 
So you get where does the capital go? The 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 initial investment. So the capital, the initial investment is given to an insurance company, right? And in return, they contract to give you X amount per month for the rest of your life, right? Okay, and so they now have the capital. Yeah, and you don't so see you, that, and you don't get the capital. You don't back. get the capital okay. back. We'll talk about guaranteed periods. There's an option in that as well, but generally, a straight life annuity would be, you know, I start mm. getting, I hand over my money to the insurance company. They're going to do whatever they do with it, mm. and then I'm going to get X amount per month for the rest of my life. When no I die, it's done, right? Right. So because people will die prematurely, whether it was an accident or whether it was health, et cetera, that there's more money in that pot that's available to be dispersed to me as an annuity purchaser. So on top of the return of my own money, on top of the interest that they can make on my investment, they also pay me some of the money that gets returned the to them pool. because the, from the pool yeah. for people that have died. Yeah. So I get more every month than I could normally get for a certain length of time. Now, obviously there's a break even point where I've received more out of that than I'd ever gave them. And that's important to recognize what that number is. But those mortality credits that we talk about, the secret sauce can really juice the return and increase what you get every month. So I have a client who was looking to generate, um, they had a bunch of GICs that were maturing. And uh, this is a 63-year-old 60, male, and his wife is 62. And the premium was $477,000. Random figure, but mm-hmm. anyway, that's the number that we were using. So we begin to look at how much could they get on an annual basis, because I'm just going to work on an annual basis, but it would be paid monthly. And I went to the three major carriers, which are Sun Life, Manulife, and Canada Life that we use for brokering annuities. And so we had to decide, were we just going to do a single life? So maybe just on him mm-hmm. or just on her, were we going to do a joint one so that the money would, whatever the income payment would carry on for both lives, or maybe a hybrid, a combination of the two. So we ran through some different numbers. And so when we looked at a joint one, so this would be $477,000. And it would pay for the rest of their, both of their lives. The amount was $20,872 a year after tax. And the tax was very small. The tax was only about um, a couple of thousand dollars of tax. Not even that, it was a thousand dollars of tax. So the after tax return for them is 4.38%. 4.38% guaranteed for the rest of their life. And that, in essence, when you think about that relative to a GIC today, which you can't even get, I think, GIC is about 2%. Mm -hmm. So it's more than double the return that you can get from that safe investment, but still have the same cat, the same sort of, uh, characteristics. So I thought, well, how much would it be then if we just did a single life and we looked at just him because males technically would die earlier, Mm -hmm. right? So you get more money as a male, single male on a life annuity, the 20,800 for the joint one goes to 28,000. 28,000, a difference of $8,000 per year. Mm-hmm. It's $28,000 per year. The after-tax rate of return jumped to 5.88%, almost 6% rate yeah. of return. So again, how do you get 6% return? It's the return of your money, the interest earned, plus the secret sauce, the right. mortality credits. And this is on how much initial investment? This one was a, a premium. They had GICs of $477,000. Okay. $477, Their after-tax return, 4.88%. And they were in the highest tax bracket. Okay. Um, and then we looked at one other option, which was a blend where we took one piece of it, 
200,000 of the 477 and bought a joint annuity. And we took uh, 277 of the 477 and bought a single life annuity for him. If we combined those together, they would get about 25,000. So it was kind of right in between, halfway in between. Mm-hmm. And, and how that would work then is 16,000 would carry on for the life of the male as long as he lived. And $8,600 would carry on for both lives. So after he died, she would still get 8,600, which was about, um, a drop of about two thirds. Her rate, the rate of return on that one was 5.21% after tax. Mm-hmm. So really what we're getting to with annuities is there's a way to build a secure income stream for life. And for those safe, lower risk investments that you've got sitting there, pay less tax and create sort of a third leg of part of your income, diversifying your income stream. So you have this regular recurring income that you can count on every single month for the rest of your life. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. Uh, almost gave my own number there. Uh, 905-529-7165. And don't forget about the website at andyanddon.com. And you can actually check out old archive shows there as well if you've missed something. We're talking about annuities. Yes, it's interesting. And just to follow up what Andy's talking about here, there was a study done by New York Life. Mm -hmm. And they basically, what they looked at is, you know, the old way was to say, I'm a moderate investor. I'm going to take 40% of my money Mm -hmm. and I'm going to put it in fixed income, things that pay interest. I'm going to put 60% of my money, I'm going to put that in equities, that 40-60 mix. And I'm going to take 4% out per year and index that income per year whatever inflation is. And they use the 3% return on inflation. So I know about, you know, Andy and I have both been in the business over 30 years now, and I honestly have not been a big fan of annuities. I have to say, some of it might be ignorance. Because, Why? Because interest rates were fairly high. Right. Markets were doing well. Mm. You know, you're looking at Didn't even GIC rates were, you know, 5 to no. 12% in our, since we've been doing this. But now you're looking at fixed income is paying such a small amount. Mm. And, you can't get that security. You're going to get into capital because yeah. you're getting in um, fixed income around 2% right now. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, well, what other kind of fixed income could I look at? And all of a sudden, annuities are starting to pop their head up. And it makes a lot of sense because if you took that 40% of your portfolio and say it's an RSP portfolio and you're going to create an income from this, you take that 40% and you put it into an annuity. Well, that annuity is earning about, call it 6%. Okay, I know part of it's your own principal, mm-hmm. but it's paying a 6% income, but it's going to go forever. It's happy happy days, no risk at all. Yeah. You don't have to worry about interest rates at all anymore. You don't have to worry about the market on that 40%. The other 60% now can be 100% in equities. Yeah. Forget about the fixed income. You already did, did that with annuities. And what it showed in this New York Life study if, is those people that lived past a certain age. I, use, I know they use the age 92 in the presentation, and I'm right now trying to get the exact break-even date. I haven't got that yet, and I'm, stay tuned, listeners. I will be back with that data. But the cool thing was, even if you say, okay, I don't like annuities because I'm giving my money away, the fact is you're going to be drawing on your RSPs or RIFs by that time, so you have no choice but to withdraw the money anyway. Mm. So therefore, 
if you can withdraw less from your equities, yeah. because you only have to take out about, say, 1.5% of, of your equity portfolio per year now, and you're taking all the rest out of, a, out of your annuity part, that allows your equities to grow a lot faster. And it turned out that some, this person at 92 ended up with a substantial amount of money more with 40% in annuities. Hmm. But again, they didn't go in to win the break-even. Was it 88? Yeah. Uh, was it 85? We don't know the break-even. But I do, I must... It wouldn't uh, matter as much. It didn't really matter yeah. once you got past. <clears throat> but I must admit, uh, another session we went to uh, in, uh, we have a, it's called Apex every year. And this year happened to be in Winnipeg for our 90th anniversary, was all about annuities. And they are, there seems to be a lot more presentations about them now. We didn't hear a lot before, again, because of the reasons I just said. But there's something about annuities. It's happy money. Yeah. There's no, you don't have to worry about it. You're getting this happy check every month. Mm-hmm. No risk. So that whole idea of, Andy, as we talked about last, uh, last week, about out, uh, underliving. Mm-hmm. People that get their annuity checks don't underlive. Yeah. They know they're getting, they can blow the whole thing, and another one's coming next month. It's just, just like pensions. Are there better cycles in the economy that work for these than other times? Like, for example, low interest rates versus high interest rates. Are there times when they're more attractive or less? Well, it's kind of interesting you bring that up because my thinking all the time was that low interest rates, well, now the annuity rate is going to be a lot lower. Yeah. But it still takes into your life expectancy yes. and the secret sauces Andy talked about. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. So, you, you know, and, and you think about... Uh, an annuity probably hasn't changed that much in terms of the rate of return after tax, even in a lower interest rate environment. Yeah. It's still the same. And um, and I just I wanted to just point out that anybody who is buying an annuity, if you do it before the end of this year, so there's this very small window, and you can certainly call our office and we can give you a quick quote. But one thing, and, the, and the, what's changing is how much of your annuity payment is going to be taxed. So if you have non-registered money at $100,000 in GICs, and we wanted to convert that to an annuity, if you do it now, they're, before the end of the year, they're going to use the old mortality tables, which were created in 1971. Hmm. People didn't live as long in 1971, so the tax rate was much lower. Yeah. Whereas now we're living longer and they're going to update it as of January 1st. So the more t- the taxable portion of your payment is going to be higher uh, coming next year. It's not a huge difference, but it probably means difference of maybe on a, on a $100,000 uh, uh, quotation, it might mean uh, $1,000 taxable this year of income. Next year, that might be 2000 right. So it does add to it, but it's it, there is some advantage to doing it now. The other thing to think about is when you're thinking about annuities is that you always want to take a portion of your income, just like Don was saying. So if you're going to take 40% of your portfolio and use that as an annuity, a rough figure would be maybe 25% of your assets. So if you had a million dollars in RSPs, you might take $250,000 mm-hmm. and use that to buy an annuity and create this guarantee income right. stream for life. Yeah. And so we were actually looking at another scenario too. We were thinking, you know, for an individual age 60 and planning to retire, what if you deferred your Canada pension plan to age 70? And so I was just looking in the, the scenario under that situation. Right now, if you took your Canada pension plan today, it'd be about 800 bucks a month at age 60. If you waited till age 70, it's about $2,300. Holy it's almost smokes. three times more, wow. right? Because you get, um, there's more secret sauce there because yeah. every year <laughs> every year you defer it, you get a higher payout. Yeah. So what if you bought an annuity that could duplicate what you would get for the 10 years from age 60 to 70? So you take a portion of your RSPs 
and you create an annuity that will pay out over 10 years so that as soon as the 10th year and it's done, it stops paying you, bam, your high Canada pension plan now kicks in at almost 2,300 a month. And that's now for life and, uh, and fully indexed as well. So now you, that's planning. Yeah. That is. And, and so it actually, it doesn't take very much money. It would be $168,000 would buy you, replace exactly what Canada Pension Plan would pay you over the next 10 years from 60 to, to 70. There, yeah. And now you've got a guaranteed income at the highest level you can get from Canada Pension Plan for the rest of your life. Great idea. And, and the peace of mind of this, I know the numbers work as Andy mentioned, but there's this peace of mind factor because we are seeing people with the markets and, and there's never a day in the paper. That's what papers Especially do. Especially now. It'd be it tough always, if you're retired right now and yeah. things are so low. And, yeah. and it, it keeps people glued to CNN and, and Reuters or whatever news media. And the nice thing about annuities, it's, it's this insulation factor against all that. Yeah. And you know that you have that income. No matter what happens, you got that income. So again... With so many people not having the access to defined benefit plans and having to go to defined contribution plans or use RSPs, this is a way to kind of add that back into your life. Mm -hmm. And so it might be something to bring up with your financial planner. And again, there's a bit of a deadline, as Andy mentioned. The end of this year is when they make these changes. Mm -hmm. And as far as a non-registered annuity, if it's a registered annuity, it really doesn't matter anyway because when you pull money out of an RSP, it's all taxable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for a non-registered, as Andy mentioned, it's going back to the 70s as far as the actuarial tables. And uh, oh, people are living way longer since then. It's hardly actually matter. We should all be dead now, shouldn't no, we? <laughs> you start looking at what people did in the 70s. I'm yeah. surprised. Like yeah. the smoking, the processed food, that's ragu. Right. No exercise. Two martini lunch. Yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> that was before the Jane Fonda workout videos. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Huge change, so it's kind of interesting. But anyway, different. Um, it is. Uh, hey, we're at the seventeenth of December here, mm-hmm. and I don't know about you, but I, I'm getting two types of mail. I'm getting actually, I guess three. You get your bills, yeah, but you get flyers, yeah, okay. And the third one is charitable um, kind of donation. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, here's a chance to donate. I thought you were going to say Christmas cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess good point. Make it four. four. There's four. four. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Good point. Good point. Getting my share of those too. So that's, thank you. But that being the case, it is a charitable time of year. And, and the reason we're getting that two, twofold is that time of year people think about charity, but also they, it's a uh, deadline is December 31st to make that donation. So it counts for the 2016 Tax. year. Mm-hmm. Now there has been this thing called a super credit. It's been around since 2013. I think it's the best kept secret. Okay. What it means is if you've never claimed, okay, you've never um, submitted a uh, charitable donation since two, in the last uh, two since 2007, so you've just kind of been on size, or you're now say a younger person, you're 25, you never could afford it, or 30, whatever, and you never could afford donating. It was basically just surviving, yeah. and all of a sudden I can donate money. And as you get older, you you, you develop a conscience. Yes, actually, <laughs> 83% of Canadians over the age 15, have donated money. Really? 83%. Over the age of 15? 15. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, we are I'm going to take that last comment back then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Very charitable uh, throughout the world. That's impressive. Yeah, actually very impressive. Uh, But this super credit, absolutely take advantage. It's ending in 2017, unless it gets extended. But it allows you to add $1,000, a one-shot deal, up to 1,000. So if you want to do 300 or 100... Mm-hmm. you will get an additional 25% um, charitable receipt or credit rather. So basically 
what it means is instead of, it, it, you know, you put in your 1000 but you're getting back $744 back. Mm-hmm. So it's only costing you like $256 to put in 1000 rather than about $450. Yeah. Okay, so there's this great benefit. In fact, I know uh, a couple of years ago, uh, there was a charity that our whole family was involved in and our kids never did. So I maxed out there one time. You can only do this once. One time charitable donation of $1,000 each mm-hmm. to this charity. And it was, uh, it, they got back $744 each on their tax return. Wow. That's okay. amazing. So you can go back. Do they appreciate what a good father they have? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. But that, with that notwithstanding, okay, because <laughs> we always find out after it. But anyway, um, you can't do this per spouse. If, you're, if your wife or husband um, has not donated, but you have, it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. It uh-huh. has to be a single person. If you're married, you're considered a person as far as the charity goes. So great opportunity. Now, let's say you've done all that. What's the next way to donate? And the way we've talked about every year, and particularly, it, this is a fantastic uh, kind of a run in the markets, the stock markets, really since 2009. We've had a couple blips along the way, uh, a couple n- not so good, let's say slightly negative years. But right now, most people are sitting with substantial capital gains in their portfolio right now. And let's say you wanted to donate $5,000. And you're going to say, well, I, I got this $5,000 of investments sitting there. I'm going to cash those in. It only cost me $1,000. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to cash in that 1000 and I'm going to uh, donate 5000 Well, that's what I would suspect most people do. And what they've done now is they've created a $4,000 capital gain because they, they'd only cost them 1000 They stuck it in Netflix it. or something or, yeah. or, or a mutual fund that had grown over the many years. And so the cost was 1000 It's now worth 5000 It was a $4,000 capital gain. The tax on that capital gain is about $920, depending on your tax bracket. So your donation is still, you're, you're still going to donate the $5,000. you are going to get the credit for $2,300. Okay, because you no longer qualify for that super credit we talked about. But you had to pay this actual 920 in tax. Okay, so the actual cost of that was Mm $3,620. You had to pay. Now, the other way to do this, and this is extremely important. I'm only using 5,000. You can make that 50,000, whatever the number is. But let's say again, same situation. You had the $5,000, but I'm going to donate the shares. Right. And this was supposed to be a temporary measure. We're, um, we were going to try donating shares and there'd be no capital gain. But I still find most people don't go through the effort. So let's say it's a substantial donation, $5,000 again, but you donate the shares. And let's say it was to the uh, Children's Wish Foundation. Mm-hmm. They set up an account with Investors Group. We send the shares to them. Well, they get the $5,000, no different. The charity gets the exact same. But now... I don't have to pay the $920 of income tax on that capital gain. So did they hold the shares or did they cash them out? They hold the shares they hold for a day. They want. Yeah, <laughs> okay. then they cash them then out. Then they cash them out. Right, right. So the charity at the end of the, as an end result gets the exact same amount of money. Was this designed to get encourage people to donate? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Because there's a lot of people sitting on, on you know, particularly I'd say seniors, mm-hmm. people over 55 even. That have you know the kids are out of the house they they paid off their house, um, they're vacationing they still want to chair they want to donate money sure but they don't want to pay the tax on that capital gain mm-hmm. it's holding them back 
So I'm going to donate this piece of art as yeah. an example. Well, this art gets appraised. You paid a thousand for it. It's worth twenty thousand. Yeah. Well, there's the there's the art. The charity sells it for twenty thousand. Um, they get no tax on that. Yeah. yeah. So, and again, even in uh, people's wills, this is where it's extremely important. Again, where you can donate a specific part of your will. So again, you say, okay, I'm going to donate the investors' dividend fund um, account number such and such. That part is going to go to the Canadian Cancer Fund Society. Well, instead of the money, because most people say I'm going to donate X amount of dollars to charity in their will, I would suggest they donate the exact account. That account gets sent over to the Canadian Cancer Society. They then no capital gain to the estate. Mm-hmm. Okay, hmm. and the estate still gets the tax deduction as the donation. Yeah. So massive savings there. It's overlooked more times than not. Uh, so just uh, two reminders. Again, it's time a charitable time of the year. And one last uh, area is that something that's come up in the last 10 years is what's called a Donor Advised Foundation. And they're basically on the rise right now. What that is, is Investors Group has these. We've done these for about five or six years now. You can set up your own, own foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a minimum is 25000 So let's call it the Scott Thompson Family Foundation. You, Scott, you could write a check for 25000 and say again, say I, this is something I want to do. You get the whole tax break for the 25000 But now you get to tell every year where that money's located, yeah. where it goes. The money that's generated. Exactly. And yeah. let's say it's a 4%. So that'd be, say, you know, $4,000. And you say, I want $250 to go to the Christmas tree of hope at CHML. I want $250 to go to this other charity. You can have this, and you get to pick that every year. And the nice thing is, you get this foundation. Investors does all the work. Mm-hmm. We do the accounting. We file for the charitable number. Um, very similar, I'm sure a lot of people here have heard about the Bill Gates Foundation. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a private one. He looks after that himself. He's got a lot of people working under this. Yeah. It, 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 it takes work. But... You can set up your own foundation for as little as 25000 If uh, If you have any interest in that, please give us a call. And just think all of Scott's fans out there could donate to that same charitable donation and okay. get a receipt. And get a receipt for that. Wow, there, there you, you go. go. All right, we are planning your financial future. Uh, Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message at 905 905- Uh, 529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can visit the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. Also, check out the old shows that are archived there if you have missed something. You can also call and leave a message now at 905-529-7165. All right, uh, estate planning for not only the big things, but the small stuff too. Got to sweat the small stuff yeah. when it comes to <laughs> estates, I tell you. All the trinkets <laughs> in the house. Yeah, you know, it's not always about the money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to an estate and uh, when a family member dies, those personal items and heirlooms can be probably one of the most common causes for family conflicts. Yeah. And so we're going to help step through some ideas that might help you come up with a strategy on how to deal with all the trinkets, all the bits and pieces. And, um, but it's really, it's more emotional value. I mean, I, I know personally a, a client's estate that was held up for over two years over a sea trunk. 
and no literally, way. literally wow. there was they could not make a decision as to who was going to end up with the sea trunk and i think in the end they agreed to some kind of rotation <laughs> a rotation of the trunk <laughs> a rotation of the trunk oh <laughs> uh, wow. but um mm. so mm. i guess one of the so obviously the key thing is about communication and uh and when you think about eliminating some of the surprises I think it's key to maybe, maybe you should decide to distribute some of the assets before you're gone. Mm -hmm. But the, so the key thing about eliminating surprises, avoid those potential con, uh, conflicts is to share with your family mem members, the contents of your will. Now, a lot of people are uncomfortable with that and your reasons and, and for the manner in which you've decided to distribute those assets so that there's no surprises after you're gone. That's number one. Number, number two is understanding what fairness means. And fairness doesn't always necessarily mean equal. And that's especially true when it comes to these personal items and heirlooms, because some people might attach more emotional value to yeah. it than one thing and could care less about something else. So, um, so really when you're trying to d distribute your items, it's not necessarily going to be monetary value is going to be equal, but it would be fair because people generally get what they wanted in right. that context. Mm. Um, Number three, have a discussion about special assets. So make a list of all those items. And I, you know, the classic thing where people, you know, stuck a name tag on the back of a piece of art or, you know, wrote somebody's name on the bottom of a Royal Dalton, yeah. you know, that, that can go astray, right? Somebody could switch a tag or, or it just <laughs> it falls off and it, it's, it gets lost. Yeah. So to actually sort of make a list of all these items, and then you can begin to kind of think about ask people, you know, or is this something that you're mm -hmm. interested in? Mm -hmm. And so that, that part of having that discussion about the special assets, those special assets and listing the items, and then you can start to put some names down to them can be very helpful. Appraisals and consult. If you've got certain items that you feel are going to be of a significant value or more value, you should definitely get that property appraised and consult with your heirs to make sure that the value and being bequeathed to them is both monetary and emotional, right? Because yeah. at this point now you've got, you're giving something of more value, right? And so they make the, that emotional connection makes sense. A lot of people, the, the, the fifth item here is making a list and attaching it to your will. Now that's fine. It's considered a memorandum, but what you need to know is that technically it's really not enforceable. So even though you've put a list in there and you may have attached names, it's simply a guideline. Why it, is that not enforceable yet everything else in the will Because is. it's a memorandum attached to the will. Uh, if it was written in the body of the will. So you'd have to redo your will with You'd have to stuff. redo your will if oh. you want it to be guaranteed. With the checklist. Yeah, with the checklist. <laughs> yeah. And if you want it to be guaranteed, you have right. to incorporate it in the body of the will. Hmm. Um, uh, number six is choose now. So while you're still alive, lay out all those personal items, get your heirs to come over and take turns choosing. Now I like this. So really the concept, and this can happen number seven, which is choosing later. So choose now or choose later. And under the choose now, basically you're saying, I've got, let's say you're downsizing your, your home mm -hmm. and you're, you put out all the things that you've collected onto the dining room table, into the, all the dining room floor and you, and the, your errors that you want to have included are there and they pick an, a number out of a hat. And whoever gets to go wow. first, so you go in order, <laughs> one, two, three, and then you reverse order, three, it's like two, one. like a surprise one. Santa. It is. It is. And I did that for my hockey pool. 
So this could this could cover off a lot of items. You might have some big items that you've already yeah. worked out, but this covers off a lot of those little things. So oh, it could it be it. from china to crystal to silverware, the, the silver tea service, whatever it is. There's all kinds of things, and everybody has a different emotional connection to them. Uh, but the nice thing about doing it in advance it doesn't mean to have to actually get it, but everybody knows now, mm-hmm. and they can kind of come to terms with it over time, right? They've, they've accepted it. Um, feel free to trade amongst yourselves. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's possible too, right? And number seven, which is the choose later. So this is for, you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to deal with that, uh, that sort of live auction scenario (laughs) while everybody's still alive. Um, you can definitely have left direction in your will and remember, but basically just say the same thing. I want all of these items. I've listed them to be put out onto a table or in a room and we're going to draw names and whoever goes first gets to pick one and then down the list and then reverse the list. Back again, so wouldn't your executive fun, can look after. Wouldn't that. that be a fun game after Christmas dinner? <laughs> yeah, it would be. <laughs> How are you feeling today, yeah, Mom and Dad? You? After a couple of glasses yeah. of wine. <laughs> but we can't tell you how many times these are the items that yeah. can completely bog down an estate and create a lot of emotional. Un, you know, it's the small. You got to sweat the small stuff. Instead Man. of playing Trivia Pursuit, or what, you know, <laughs> you know, we're gonna play a different game this this Christmas. It's a different game of life. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's right. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> All right, uh, we are just about out of time. Uh, is this it for you? Oh, no, there's one more. What am I saying? That's okay. uh, hang on a sec. Uh, we are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Uh, and of course, if you want to reach them now, you can leave a message at 905-529-7165. And don't forget about the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. And we're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, along with Andy Lister and Don Fox. Of course, you can find out more at 905-529-7165. That is the number for Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Go to the website at andyanddon.com. You can actually hear old archive shows there if you've missed something. All right, talking about the Global Millionaires Club. Who, who's in this? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting enough, um, a fair bit of Canadians. Mm-hmm. There is 1,117... Canadians over a million dollars, and uh, that is net worth. Yeah. Okay. So that's a, a fairly significant amount. What it shows is the U.S. is the biggest. Mm-hmm. They control about forty percent of the global millionaires. Sorry, does that include your home? It includes your, your okay. home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in, so forty percent Canada uh, is about. It's, it's kind of interesting. I, actually, I thought we wouldn't be quite as high as we were. I'm thinking we we're a little bit more socialistic. But if we multiply that number by 10, we're only a few percent away from how many global millionaires that uh, yeah. as the U.S. would have. Mm-hmm. So in the last year, there was an increase of 2.1% in the U.S. for millionaires. Canada, it was 2.3%. Hmm. So we're both growing. In fact, we grew faster. We had more millionaires as a, as a per capita basis than the U.S. Don't tell Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Maybe this is why, you know, there's been a lot of things about make make America great again, they were a little ticked that we actually beat them in the number yeah, of new millionaires as a percentage. Right. But no, by far the U.S. is like the second biggest is Japan at 2,800 and Britain is falling with this. Uh, yeah. They actually have fallen by 15% their millionaires in uh, in one year. Hmm. Um, Germany's up, China's down a little bit. wonder what it's going to be like after they take into account the stats of uh, Brexit. Well, I have a feeling this is uh, also taken into account. This is all put into U.S. dollars. Yeah. Okay. And I would suspect that a lot of people that were on the bubble mm-hmm. of being a millionaire 
have now fallen off the millionaire club because right. once it's converted to US dollars, the bubble they're, bursts. They're, yeah, exactly. Their <laughs> bubble bursts. Their yeah. British pound is worth less now. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is, Canada's, our, our dollar has not exactly been as strong as it was a couple of years ago, yet we've still grown. Mm-hmm. So I personally think, and I have a feeling Andy believes this wholeheartedly, that everybody could be a millionaire in oh. their lifetime. That's okay. what they say. Honestly, you're just following a plan, mm-hmm. putting a little bit of money away, and doing it on a religious basis, you could do it without getting tempted to stray. The old wealthy barber. Totally, analogy. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this is how important it is. But one way I would not recommend is those growth GICs. Okay, you might have heard of them, index GICs, um, whatever you might call them. Market-linked GICs. Market-linked, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. That's Royal Banks. Um, the growth GIC is the Bank <clears> of Montreal. And, and the latest one I just went across was it showed 16% return, but again, it shows over four years. And so, well, that's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can get 16%. Well, it's actually up to 16%, again, in the smaller letters. And the four years was actually in smaller letters, too. It's just that 16% grabs people's attention. Yeah. Um, Royal Bank, a few a couple of years had again uh, ago, had a 9% GIC, but again, interest per three-year term. Yeah. So it wasn't a per year. Now, when did they start putting interest rates over a period of time rather than per year? So that part I didn't quite get. It works out that you think, well, still, 4% a year, four years, pretty good. I think they started projecting that about the same time politicians started projecting and promising things beyond their mandate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good 10 point. years down Safe the road. Safe to do. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Clearly, it's fine now. Yeah, well, you can <laughs> do that. Gough. I might not You can guess. Here. Yeah, exactly. You have to vote me in, otherwise we won't get to that. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, but the, the point is, it works out to that after compound interest, the maximum you can get on this growth GIC was 3.78% per year because you, you get compound interest, yeah. and that would get you your 16%. And what they do, they take a basket of stocks, and they kind of replicate, okay, what, the, what this would be. You don't actually own these stocks. You just simply get the growth. So you take these stocks, and here would be a sample of the stocks that they would purchase of these 15 stocks. would be like things like TD, Bank of Commerce, Bank of Nova Scotia, Saputo, National Bank, Power Corp, that owns Investors Group, by the way, Royal Bank. Uh, Canadian Tire, Enbridge, TransCanada Utility. So you have these stocks. What do all these stocks have in common? They all pay a dividend. Mm -hmm. Okay. And generally speaking, the dividends of these stocks is around 3%. So if you just went out and bought these stocks, you'd get a 3% dividend. Yeah. And by the way, if this is not in your RSP and you made under 40,000 a year, you would not pay any income tax on those dividends. What's happening with these growth GICs you don't actually own any stocks. Any any income you get is considered interest income. So if you made under 40000 a year, you'd pay around 20% tax on mm-hmm. that interest. So interesting enough, if you take 3.78, take off the 20%, you're down to under th- around 3%, which is around what the dividends are getting. Hmm. So you're only getting basically the dividend rate after tax, hmm. which is kind of interesting. So you're not really getting any growth. The only safety you're getting is the fact they can't have a negative return. Right. But... On the other side, you can't have those big positive returns. Yeah. And I'm looking at things such as our dividend fund that's currently paying approximately a 3.5% dividend rate right now. And its average return has been, a, since inception, 1962, has been 7% a year. Hmm. Well, even if it only did 5%, I know there's some, it could have variability. So it could be after four years be worth less than what you started with. But a growth GIC, 
really is not the way to go. You're, I'd rather take on a little <clears throat> volatility because, first of all, if you bought it on December 15th of 2016, it expires December 15th, 2020. If the market's down that day, yeah. you can't wait another couple of days or anything. So it, it, we actually have seen some companies um, out west have gotten out of these. And I would far rather see a client, if you need some guarantees, we'll buy you the guarantees of GIC and, and you're going to get your 2.3% 2, 2 on a four-year GRC right now, which is actually only about 1.5% difference in these things. Hmm. And the rest of the money could be in something that earns some higher returns. And it all comes back down to follow a simple plan, get good asset allocation and have that discipline. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. As well, you can check out old shows that have been archived there for you as well. Thank you, gentlemen. Yes, have a great week, everybody. Greetings, everybody, and I guess we'll see you in the new year. Take care. Bye now.